Alexa, what is a podcast? The term podcast means distribute multimedia files over the internet for playback on a mobile device or a personal computer. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have a little bit of fun along the way. As always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Reed Smith. Reed is a digital strategist that works with hospitals and health systems across the country. You can find him online um, on most of the social accounts with at Reed Smith, um, also on LinkedIn, and his website, socialhealthinstitute.com. Reed, hello. It is good to be here. Another week, another podcast. Uh, Chris, uh, you can obviously find online at Chris Boyer on Twitter and many of the other social channels, LinkedIn and otherwise. You can find him at his website, ChristopherBoyer.com, where he spends his days and weeks and hours working with hospitals around the country on all things emerging technology. I haven't said emerging technology in a while, so I just thought I'd throw that in. Are we going to be doing like a buzzword bingo this podcast? We should. We <laughs> okay. should. That, that should be like a downloadable from our website, and then you could follow along. Okay. Emergent technologies check. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Relationship economy. So I'm start throwing some out. Check. Yes. Yes. Um, well, if you have um, uh, followed us for a while, you've heard us mention this a time or two, so I'll be short with it. But we would certainly love and appreciate uh, if you would navigate over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And of course, while you're there, rate and review us. And most importantly, it's still one of the most effective, if not the most effective form of advertising, a little word of mouth. So if you would refer this to a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, a family member, we would certainly appreciate it. Yeah. Use your voice. That's my segue to the topic today. There you go. (laughs) But before we get into the topic, I want to just maybe kind of set the table a little bit here for us. Oh, there you go. Check. Set the table. Set it. (laughs) Um, uh, Sometimes we do podcasts that um, are very educational and academic and really give like some very pragmatic checklists and stuff like that. I think last week was a good example of that, Reed, when we went through the personas. And and, um, we have a couple of podcasts that are very much like that. Other times we kind of do podcasts that discuss future topics, trends that are more aspirational in nature. And I think today's topic kind of falls in that second category. Wouldn't you agree? It does. It does. Uh, this is something that um, I would say very few, very, very few hospitals specifically um, have you know, given much credence to at this point. Right, exactly. And it's something that we call voice-first technology or voice-first devices. Have you heard that before, Reed? Yeah, absolutely. And, and probably more often, um, you know, we heard it initially probably with things like uh, Siri. Most people have an iPhone. I say most people. Lots of people have iPhones. Mm-hmm. So Siri, um, you know, was probably one of those, you know, voice activated type scenarios or maybe some sort of a smartwatch. Um, right. And then in most recent months, 
in years, I guess, or have been some of the more home appliances like Google Home or you know Alexa or those types of things. It's been a number of years, actually, if you could believe that, since Amazon Echo has been in the market. But really, it's been the last, I would say, six to nine months where it really became a big part of people's lives, I would say. A lot of people have started to get those. Yeah, and I think probably because you're starting to see more and more folks, um, you know, the cost of entry is a lot lower now um, around like people's uh, like home automation, for example. So, mm-hmm. you know, smart thermostats is a good example where, you know, there used to be, you know, one, you know, that you could get. Well, now several, there's several manufacturers and you see those uh, devices, you know, in the Apple store and Best Buy and different places like that. And so I think you start to see more and more folks uh, with those types of things and actually using them with their phones. And so these devices couple with that very nicely where I think when they first came out, it was like, this is neat, but I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with it. You mentioned a couple of different categories of these voice-first technologies. We, we talked about like watches and phones. I think those are things that were there before with Siri and Cortana and all these other things. So there's the, the Apple Watch. You know, you could, many of these things have voice-enabled types technology into mm-hmm. it. You also have, we talked about these in-home devices like Google Home, Amazon Echo, and there's a couple of others that are in the market right now. Those are more focused on providing information, content, maybe even tying it into um, uh, like your calendar, your schedule, telling you you know what the traffic is. And just recently, Echo has a new device that has a little camera on it, and it can take a picture of you and tell you if your clothes match. Isn't that interesting? Oh, man. I, I feel like we're just, you know, it's like, how lazy can we get? Yeah. <laughs> but then you got all your home devices, right? Your your alarm clocks, your scales, your thermostats, your light switches, and TVs. I, I, I don't know about you, but I have Xfinity. And uh, on my remote control, I now have a, a voice button where I can just surf TV with my voice. Oh, wow. That is kind of handy, especially as you start, you know, there's more and more channels, more and more shows, networks. And then lastly, you know, the, the cars. Now, you talked about this um well we've talked about voice technology before but mm-hmm. um you know cars now have uh computers on board that you can actually talk to and yeah. start to interact with yeah the uh, microsoft sync that comes in uh you know all ford uh ford lincoln mercury i guess mercury so so they don't have mercury anymore right they get rid of mercury <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, Ford and Lincoln, at least, you, you see Microsoft saw uh, Microsoft Sync in there, and um, yeah, it's a voice activated. It works really well, you know, and it's able to tie into your smartphone or, or what have you. You're starting to see um, the Apple CarPlay install, and a lot more brands, models, makes. I think you know we'll start getting used to. It's kind of like Siri when it first came out. It was like you would just ask it weird stuff to see what kind of questions or answers you would get. And now it's actually practical and useful. And now it ties into the experience within the car, makes it even more useful. Voice first technologies uh, or voice activated technologies. This is becoming a huge market. From what we've seen, 24.5 million voice first devices expected to ship in 2017. Wow. Um, and so uh, that's, a, that's a pretty big increase. Uh, one, you know, increase from the 1.7 million vo- voice first devices that shipped in 2015, uh, six and a half uh, last year. And so again, a little bit of a hockey stick curve. Some of that obviously is becoming, um, you know, things are becoming more affordable. Initially it was, you know, the voice activated, the speaker was integrated, whether it was Google Home or otherwise. 
you know, now we're starting to see, you know, smaller devices that you can tie into existing technology. What's interesting, too, in this uh, report that we're looking at, it says that these have a high lock-in rate. And what that means is if you, like, you go with an Amazon Echo device or or a, micro, a Google Home device, right? There's a very low threshold that says they would switch. I think they said only 11% of the, the people that they surveyed say they'd switch from like Echo to Google or Google to another device. Once you're locked into a particular ecosystem of voice-first technologies, you kind of stick with it. It re- reminds me of like the Apple ecosystem, right? Once you get an Apple device, you're now getting a phone and right. a computer and etc. It's the same thing with these devices. I think some of that too is the integration points. Um, sometimes you'll buy the initial device because it integrates with something you already have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to make the move to another device that does not integrate with, um, you know, maybe some sort of a smart home application that you have or something like that probably makes it less likely. So you said that, you know, part of the reason this mass adoption is because it's uh, tied to the price. I think that's part of the f- part of the reason why. I think the other part of it is the utility of it. When you think about the Amazon Echo devices that are out there, the Alexa, the reason why I think that really plays well is because ultimately the back end of it, Reed, is Amazon. And ultimately it's a way to interact and order stuff off of Amazon. We're always looking for, co- you know, convenience is a big motivator, you know, for folks. And then with Google, Google's device is tied into the whole Google ecosystem. And what that means is, is that it allows you to get content and information that's multimedia content to you mm-hmm. very quickly and get your calendar and get your mail. And since we all use Google as part of our productivity, this is tied to productivity. To some degree, you've got to ask yourself, what benefit is it? Is that something I'm really, do I really want that? But as it becomes a bigger convenience factor in the way that people look for information, that's when we really start boiling down to why is this important to you know hospitals for example I think what is interesting about all this is uh, and what makes it probably uh, something that we really need to start considering is you know you saw the move from you know desktop to mobile well that took a number of years but because the functionality of the phone became you know what it is apps started being developed uh, integration points, as that becomes more important and more relevant uh, and more applicable to people in their daily lives, then that's where they're going to start going first. Yeah. Um, you know, before it was like, well, my phone's in my pocket, the computer's in the other room. We get used to a certain way of doing things, and we just need to make sure that, that we as you know health providers are there. Right, right. And before you know it, they'll start to be, now we marry that with like iris scanning and facial recognition. Mm And then we're in like minority report world, right? The future is here then. Yeah, it's it's funny. I don't know that my wife is going to love this kind of stuff. She already has to like text me when I'm out of town to for me to turn the fan on from like another state. <laughs> well, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that's true. That's uh, inconvenience there. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, well, why don't we, why don't we now kind of turn the conversation a little bit over to hospitals and how we see this application of voice first technology in hospitals. And I think there's certain areas where, you know, we could, we could really start to get into. The first one is content. I mean, clearly right read when we get in here, um, when we start talking about content, a lot of these things like Alexa and Google Home, et cetera, you ask it a question, you ask it something, and it provides content back. 
Now, we talked about a lot about this in the SEO um, episode a couple mm-hmm. of episodes ago, how that's impacting search engines, and, and search is a lot different. And SEO is a really big, big part of this. Content findability, though, is a huge... Uh, easy way that hospitals are starting to launch into this and in fact if you if you look at some of the stats how you get content is you have to create these skills as you mentioned which is basically a way to wrap content preferably audio content with with some metadata so that the actual device can actually search and get to that information and that's in alexa it's called building a skill Uh, google has a different name for it but ultimately what it is it's like you're looking at audio content and bringing it to this device so people can access it with their voice. I think the interesting part about that, though, is, is, and we did, we talked about this in the SEO piece, but is you're not visually seeing anything. Like, you know, Google Home, and you're, you're asking it a question, it's returning one answer. You know, a lot of times we find ourselves Googling something, and we're scanning down that first page of search results to see what we feel like. You know, we quickly check through what is trustworthy or, you know, kind of the criteria in our minds of which one we want to ch- click on. Oh, that's an ad. That's an ad. Oh, here it is. Here's the manufacturer's website. You get the, the as we called it, the one true answer, right? That's what right. Shell Holtz, who we're interviewing later, called it. Mm-hmm. But um, what, what's great about that, though, is if you are searching for content, you have you know, great content that you could serve up, hospitals are starting to build these skills. So like Boston Children's has has their um, a pediatric library out there. Mayo Clinic just recently launched, uh, they have a, uh, a daily radio minute that they're doing. And, and not to get too terribly sidetracked, but I, I know you helped them with that. You know, what, what do you, you know, what's the likelihood that, uh, you know, a health provider, hospital health system, physician out there, is going to be able to go down that track. It, it really boils down to if the content's there. The hard part of a lot of this stuff is creating content that's regular, that's fresh. If right. like with with, with uh, even WebMD, right? They have a, a deep pocket of audio content that's easier for people to get to and access by voice. All you all it had to do was kind of put wrappers around it, and the same thing was with Mayo. They they provide a timely, daily updated information that they could get. So if the content's there. The technical aspects of it is not too difficult to get it to this device. It's really about making sure that you have regular valid content. That's why a lot of times on these devices, the people that provide this type of knowledge either have their, they're considered sort of like a, a resource, they have deep information, or you have regular updates and so you're more, acting more like a news agency. You just shared an article or uh, some study that, that talked about um, that these these smart devices, these voice first devices, that people are starting to use those to actually make decisions. Right. Yeah. This was something from marketingcharts.com, which is a kind of an interesting site. This particular one was about you know Amazon Echo and kind of the e-commerce side of the equation. And what they're saying is one in ten of those folks are using smart speakers or voice first technology to order products. They're saying in here the biggest reason people still are still using these, which is some of the original use cases before a lot of these skills got created, was general questions, weather updates, you know, stream music, you know, things like that. Uh, but if you start kind of making your way down the list, some of the things that are starting to surge, you know, one of them says that you know 16% are using these uh, pieces of technology, smart speakers, voice-first technology to find local businesses. Aha. Uh-huh. So we've, you know, we've talked uh, in, I don't know, numerous podcasts about directory management or mentioned it here and there. 
But the idea that like, you know, people trying to find you, is your information correct online? Well, this is even compounding that issue of is what's out there correct? Because now people don't have a way to vet that against other other results that they're physically seeing in front of them, you know, right. or maybe even seeing it on a map and going, I don't think that's where that is exactly. And people are using this as they're walking out the door, as they're getting ready to go, whatever it is. As these devices become more and more part of our lives, there might be some future use cases of yep. how do we make sure our directory, our physician directory is optimized so that people can not only find a doctor, but maybe mm-hmm. even call a doctor. The new Google Home devices have the ability for you to call from it to any phone number. What this is now becoming, these are ways into actually making that connection, drawing out that connection. So finding a doctor, finding a class, you know, getting directions. There's a lot of like things that are very focused on getting people to care. Yeah, and so that leads us pretty quickly into other types of technology like telemedicine, where you can yeah. start kind of figuring out or thinking, you know what, this stuff may find itself being pieced together. And so this could be the avenue or the vehicle that really takes things like virtual visits uh, to the masses. Prices of the hardware coming down, the adoption of the hardware is going up. And then we've got healthcare systems and providers you know, already providing telemedicine type services, virtual visits. This may be a good you know, uh, conduit for that. Well, and the new Alexa device that's coming out in June has a video panel. It looks like a, a, a tablet with mm-hmm. an echo device attached to it. Imagine being able to access telemedicine through this, through uh, mm-hmm. one of these devices. You know, that's kind of interesting. You know, it was last year, Boston Children's actually held a hackathon to really look at voice first technologies. And there were some cool demos that they did in four different settings. And I think it might be fun to kind of walk through this. Now, keep in mind, these are demos. They haven't actually really done this. The first was in a waiting room, a simulated voice activated voice first waiting room where voice technology devices could assist patients, families in paperwork, intake forms, maybe start to do registration. The voice suggested the potential to streamline what both care providers and patients often view as a hurdle, really just kind of walk them through that whole intake process. Well, we're already short staffed and there's you know lots of folks coming in. This, this could be an interesting way to help provide some level of personalized service where you know, a physical body may, it may just not be, may not be possible. The next one was a simulated uh, you know, simulation in the inpatient setting or an inpatient room. So this was a way that they showed how nurses could utilize voice technology to aid in blood collection from patients. So how much to draw, which color you know, vials corresponded with each measurement and things like that. So we're not relying you know, or it's a double check in a lot of cases that people are getting the right thing done the, the first time. Maybe reducing on the amount of times they have to come back into the room and draw blood again. So I think that that's great for, for the nursing staff or phlebotomists or lab techs that are around the hospitals. Imagine that with a nurse trying to juggle many different things with their hands, right? That, that frees them up to do that. Right. They also did a simulation in the operating room. And in this case, they had a a GI specialist who demonstrated uh, voice technology to assist in recording, either video recording or audio recording of surgical procedures, taking notes. He was annotating the video in real time while he was doing a colonoscopy. I mean, it was a simulated colonoscopy, Mm -hmm. right? But bringing the voice technology now into the OR suite, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so imagine what that looks like even one step further where he's bringing in uh, other services. So, 
you know, pathology reports, uh, you know, x-rays or other types of film, um, you know, where they can reference those things in real time via voice. It, that'd be pretty cool. You know, and then finally, uh, it was in the nursing home setting. This was another skill uh, where, you know, caring for uh, children in the home, so in a home nursing setting, uh, where they look at their PICC line, IV catheters, uh, delivering drugs and nutrition, the skill would walk parents through the dosing guidelines. And so let's roll it back from even, like, even more common than that. Just your kid's sick, and then you go to the pharmacy. Well, with a sick child, and you're waiting in line, and you're getting medicine, and it's like, you know, the pharmacist will go over this with you now, and you're like, right, right, okay, yeah, yeah. And then by the time you get home, you're like, wait, which one do I give the five milliliters versus the... And you're trying to read on the little bag and stuff like that. So, yeah, I can see how, you know, obviously as the acuity level goes up, you know, there's even more to know and understand. Um, and this would be a great way to, um, to be able to do that. Well, and, and more than just kids, right? I could see the application of this to multiple, like anybody that's uh, dealing with any kind of chronic care where they need some regular interaction with some medical information, even in, all the way up to like a home care setting. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, um, if there is a trust and adoption in the tools, I could see voice-aided devices being applied through many different aspects of, of care in an in-home delivery kind yeah. of setting. Yeah, I mean, you see some of like the elder care situations like you're talking about where it requires a nurse and then there's some that they just kind of need a sitter, right? And it helps them get around and make sure they take the right medicine. Well, it'd be great to have a backup for that person to make sure that, you know, again, dosing is correct timing is correct you know those types of things so so i think that this is some really interesting application of voice technology now all of these with boston children's these were simulated um i'm i'm sure that they're actually working and i'm sure there's hospitals across the country that are working on this on these sorts of things and if if you work at one of those hospitals we would love to hear about it and maybe even uh, feature one of your case studies here on, on our podcast all of this stuff that we're talking about reed i don't believe that in any kind of consistent way hospitals are embracing this technology yet when we when we hear from futurists and 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 people that are are kind of keen to this they're saying voice first augmented or mixed reality um and artificial intelligence are the three big fundamental changers to how technology is going to be interacting with our lives so when we think about this stuff and when we look at it into the future here what do you think are some things that you know hospitals health systems our audiences should be thinking about well so first and we've already mentioned it one of them is is obviously the the directory management piece so if, you, if mm-hmm. you've not gone down this path whether it's for this motivating factor or any other uh, you know you need to make sure you get your information correct online because as people start looking for business information through these voice devices uh, you want the correct information to be served up just as you would in a you know search engine result so yeah. I think I think that's the primary, you know, that's the that's the jumping off point. But then I think you guys start looking at, you know, how does this tie in, you know, to other devices and technology, you know, within the organization. Right. Like how does this fit in your overall marketing stack? We always talk about that. We don't want to build something that's just a silo. How do we integrate this? How do we make it so that it, it seamlessly is part of the overall ecosystem that's out there? I've heard that you know keyboards and typing are soon going to be a thing of the past with voice-aided technology. Now, I'm not sure if that ever is going to be a thing, but I'm telling you, there are some times where I would love to just be able to talk to something instead of type. Newer smartphones are going to start not even having keyboards. They're just going to have voice, voice engagement with it. 
Yeah, I think that's fine. I did, but from a business standpoint, I think we're still a pretty good ways off from texting, answering emails, or some emails at least. I can get get my head around like with stuff that you and I do, right? You know, how am I going to lay out? Um, a, a strategy document or a PowerPoint presentation or something like that, you know, <laughs> right. using only voice. Now I may make notes, you know, and then right. use those to go back, you know, so I don't forget something or whatever that I thought of in the car. I, I think we're probably from a business standpoint, a little bit further away, but that interoperability with other things like appointment setting and stuff like that, all this though goes back to like, you know, do people trust that? It's always listening, right? Um, my Alexa device is always listening to me, waiting for me to say the word Alexa so it can respond to it. Uh-huh. And I mean, they, and you've heard of cases, right? Of this being brought up in, in court cases because it's always on. It is, or like someone's kid is named Alexa. <laughs> if you think about it though, it's it's more than that. It's like, do we trust voice to securely transfer um, you know, medical information from one place to another. Yeah, how does how does the you know the HIPAA regulations and the you know the, all the steps you have to go through as a as a technology vendor to be HIPAA certified, for example, you know has has this has that even been considered at this point? Yeah, I would I would say it hasn't. And then the the la- the other thing too about trust is like, do we trust it that it's actually translating what we're saying? If my doctor is giving a very, you know, um, very clinical diagnosis of me, is that translation of his voice actually translating right to what what it is? I mean, yeah. you know, he he says some really complex words. Well, and that's what you know. We've always we've struggled with that historically with websites, you know, and it's like yeah, you, know, you try to get the the average you know reading age down to a certain level with a website or whatever, and with medical, that's hard to do. You know, probably the same thing in the legal environment as well. But stuff like arrhythmia, you know, um, that you just can't. It's hard to get that to a place that you know is it is it pulling that in? And let's not underscore. I think the biggest thing about trust here is that what does this mean to actually people doing their jobs now, right? Mm-hmm. What does this mean to actual staffing? If we get this technology to the point where patients could come in and check in and doctors can talk to it, what does that mean from a staffing perspective? I think it definitely has an impact, you know, but I, I think at some point somebody decides to make a judgment call in healthcare, you know, whether that's in the OR or from a diagnosis standpoint or whatever. So obviously it can't just completely do away with everybody. You know, we're not just going to be talking to robots. You know, if we're able to tie these together well enough into the into the uh, uh, patient portal or health record, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, there's probably a realistic chance that departments like medical records, patient access, things like that are probably going to be affected more than some of the others. Well, let's not leave it on a sobering note because I think that a lot of times, as you know, is often the case with new technologies when it comes in, we like to go to the worst case scenario people losing their jobs. But I think that ultimately what we're talking about is voice can help right now in terms of those menial little trivial tasks. I think the application is going to be incremental within our space. Mm -hmm. Um, And it certainly isn't going to be revolutionary in any time soon. Touch point, touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready?
fight. All right, here we are at touch point, touch counterpoint, or I don't know. I've actually forgotten the other suggested names for this segment, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyway, this is the portion uh, of the podcast where we argue about stuff, and so. Today, we are going to talk uh, in the vein of what we're talking about, the voice-first technology. I'm going to claim that voice-first technology means that we will not have call centers anymore. What? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Okay, so I'll have to take the extreme opposite on this one. And I would say that's absolutely ludicrous to think about. I, uh, I don't think that we'll ever have the need to do away with that personal touch of people interacting with hospitals with another human. I hate those automated phone trees. I'm not going to tolerate that in a healthcare setting. But if we do it right, that's probably the preferable method. I mean, how many people do you know that would rather just text than talk on the phone? So this is the this is the same scenario. We're getting to a place where people don't want to talk to each other. But this is not the same scenario. Call centers are much more than just like simple menial tasks. I get it. We talked about this earlier, right? About taking care of the, uh, how, what are your office hours? I get that, right? Or what's the directions? That sort of thing. That stuff, yeah, we can automate. I, I'll give you that. But but there's other things to call centers where you're going to need someone to kind of help you make a decision. You call people at call centers to help triage clinical care, to help triage even decision support. You can't give that to a technology. Yeah, but I think some of those things just end up moving off to other areas of the organization. You know, if that needs to hand you off to somebody real, it's going to hand you off to somebody that's already in a clinical role doing other stuff. It's not going to hand you off to somebody at a call center. But Reed, uh, are you suggesting that this voice-first technology can now start to help diagnose what you are to triage you into the right place? I, I don't think that the technology is there. I, I seriously doubt that the technology will ever be there. There's so many factors involved here. I, I, there's not the the artificial intelligence is not there. It will be robots are going to take over the world, and uh, we will just be interacting with them. But seriously, I think th there's no point. What this does is this, because already you're going to be on hold. You're going to talk to somebody that they really can't. I mean, you're talking to a live person, but they're not going to be able to do anything any more than the technology can. You're just talking to a live person you had to wait 17 minutes to get a hold of. I, I would much rather wait 17 minutes to actually talk to a real person. When I get on these call, these call trees right now for like my bank or whatever, they do they, the computer does its fair job to try to get my you know all the information. And I'm just sitting there pounding 0000, zero, 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 zero because I want to get to an operator, to a real life person. Because quite frankly, this stuff doesn't work for me. I, the worst thing in the world could be like uh, uh you know the call center would say hal i'm afraid i can't do that you know making a 2001 reference there right <laughs> all i know is that i've got much better service through some apps and things like that than i have actually talking to live people with a couple of clicks of the button so you take into account being able to contextually use your voice uh to move through the system get to things you know where it's it is triaging to some degree maybe into um, a virtual visit you know some sort of a telemedicine offering versus a call center just being able to answer some basic questions and then you know call you back with an appointment the next day because the doctor's office is closed 
Uh, maybe you can even completely triage and take care of your care without even seeing anybody. You just talk to your computer now. Is that right? Or to your Alexa device? Boy, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Reed, um, I, I have to say that I, while I do see the extreme extremities of this argument, the quite honest truth, though, is that this technology is already being applied a lot in call centers is actually doing the very things that you're talking about, right? To help get people to the right places. It is. It is. And again, it's somewhere in the middle and probably will be in at least for uh, an extended period of time, a hybrid. At some point, say you have a billing question, they're probably going to have to put you in touch with somebody that you can give some background, some scenarios to for it to make sense. I I think maybe in in this scenario, we want maybe not say voice first, but clearly voice aided decision support clinical support i've done some research it's scary what computers and artificial intelligence can do and they're building computers where you can actually be psychotherapy you know go through psychotherapy with a computer on the flip side you also hear about some really scary things about what computers can do and how they respond i think we're always going to have sort of that blended model but yeah, I don't think it's the end of call centers, but I certainly think it's going to f- dramatically change the way call centers are being structured and uh, manned in the future. All right, welcome to the Ask the Expert section of our podcast today, and I am excited to have our expert guest, a friend of mine that I've known for many years, a colleague, thought leader in the space. I know him very well, and many of you may know him. Uh, I'll let him set the introduction and tell a little bit about his background, but Shell Holtz, thank you for being part of the Touchpoint podcast today. Oh, thanks for the invitation. Always great to talk to you, Chris, and it's been a while. Boy, I remember you and I, we interviewed each other almost like eight or nine years ago, we did interviews similar to this for our podcast. So it's it's interesting um, that it's come full circle. We're still doing this. That's true. But uh, what, what I remember more recently, not that recently, was a, a great meal on a rooftop restaurant in Minneapolis. Oh, that's right. That was great. Well, so, Shell, I know you. I have a lot of experience. I've, we, we've been uh, colleagues and friends for uh, nearly a decade now. But um, why don't you introduce yourself to our readers? Tell them a little bit about yourself, your background, and the things you do. Sure. I work in the organizational communication space, uh, not so much on the marketing side, more on the corporate communications, PR reputation end of things. Uh, Very focused on digital and social. I've been involved in uh, digital media since the mid-80s when I got onto my first BBS and realized that the world was going to change. It uh, took a while to convince others of that, but of course, everybody is on board now, so you know, that makes life easier. Got involved on the healthcare side, helping Lee AC over at the Mayo Clinic convince his leadership that uh, social media was something that they should be paying attention to, and have done a lot of healthcare work since then. You have also are a host of a, of a very uh, popular podcast for immediate release. Yeah, been doing that since uh, 2005, January 2005. And you also run a, a, a blog, and you speak at a lot of conferences across the country. So, and I've written six books. Yeah. Wow. So, well, we'll link to all of that in our show notes, so people can get, can find out more about you. But um, we have an interesting topic that we want to dig into today, Shell, which is um, that growing role of voice technology in augmented reality. Uh, it's it's growing in our community in our just regular day-to-day life, but we we do want to kind of 
cross that into how that can apply to hospitals and health systems. But let's first, you know, talk a little bit about uh, voice technology, augmented reality, something that, you know, I've, I know I've been using for a number of years, but I didn't really realize it was a thing until recently. Well, voice technology is here now. Uh, you know, there seems to be a little bit of uh, tension between the people who think that voice technology is going to be the new interface to everything and people who think that augmented or actually mixed reality is going to be the interface to everything. Shell Israel and Robert Scoble have a book out called The Fourth Transformation, and they're projecting eight to ten years out. Nobody's going to have a, a smartphone. And you may have seen the same headlines I've seen about how the smartphone is dying. Uh, and then other headlines saying, no, that's ridiculous. Uh, many of them in the same publication. Yeah, my view is that voices is going to be the interface to everything. I think augmented reality, which if listeners aren't familiar with it, has been around for a long, long time. I mean, if you've ever watched a, a football game on TV and see where the first down marker is, you know, that's actually not being projected on the field. That's only we at home who can see that on TV. Uh, that's augmented reality. It's overlaying something digital on the video stream, the live video stream. It's also visible through your smartphone. I mean, Pokemon Go was augmented reality. Those, those little Pokemon creatures weren't actually there in front of you, but if you held your phone up and, and used the video camera to project what was in front of you, it would uh, overlay the character there. This is going to be available on glasses, goggles, uh, the Microsoft HoloLens, uh, is is probably going to be the first one out of the gate. The developer mm -hmm. kit is already out, so the developers can start creating content for this. Mm -hmm. And if you go to YouTube and search for it, there's all kinds of videos up there of what developers are creating and some of the really amazing things that are being done with augmented and then mixed reality. Uh, mixed reality marries the augmented part, uh, overlaying something digital on top of what's real, with virtual reality, which is immersive, so that you'll be able to put those goggles on. And I saw one, it's a video game, where it actually maps your environment, the, the, the tables and the couches and the walls, and then for a video game, for example, can turn all of that into a Victorian setting. We put new wallpaper oh, wow. on your wall and change the kind of couch and table uh, and then have a character appear in front of you that you interact with in the game. So, I mean, all of that's going to be amazing. And I think the implications for healthcare are huge. Uh, right. I mean, there's already virtual reality being used in healthcare in some big mm -hmm. ways. Uh, mm -hmm. There was an instance where a doctor was able to get um, photography of the inside of a child's heart. Uh, that he had to operate on so that he could immerse himself in the heart uh, and really familiarize himself with everything he was going to be dealing with in, in very small scale in, in the real world. Uh, there's also virtual reality being used for pain management. There was a study where people who were uh, victims of, of third-degree burns uh, getting morphine during these excruciatingly painful treatments. They experimented on, and, and on one group, they didn't give them any morphine. They put the virtual reality headset on, and there was a game that had been created specifically for this purpose. It took, I think it's called Snow World, and it takes huh. place in this uh, snow world, right, where your objective is to destroy the snowmen with snowballs. And so while these treatments are going on, the patients are playing the game in this cold world, and, and apparently the results are exponentially better in terms of, of pain management than morphine. 
Uh, wow. So the idea that you know you, you can use your own mind to alter your state, uh, your your receptiveness to pain, mm-hmm. uh, rather than an opioid. I mean that could, that could be a big deal, but. What I see happening in the near term in a much bigger way is the voice tech, which is right. not quite as you know, visually t- cool. You don't get the, the yeah. great imagery with that. But the utility of that and, and the ease of, of implementing that, uh, I, I think, is, is coming first. And, you know, the other benefit is that you don't have to have a headset on to use it. When you start introducing technology like this, it needs to be almost uh, a seamless, non-frictionless interaction to your everyday life. Virtual or augmented reality sounds like it just covers and immerses your, it's, it, it, it interferes with your everyday life. When you're talking about like voice technology, it's something much more seamless, right? You could just say something and something will happen. But Amazon does have 70% of the market with, with millions of these having shipped. Uh, mm-hmm. Google is out there with Google Home, which uses uh, the Google Assistant uh, voice assistant uh, that, that is on Android phones, uh, which is uh, like the Alexa, an artificial intelligence uh, tool that, that can parse what you're saying and find the right answer and give it to you. Uh, we have Microsoft getting into the game. Microsoft has Cortana, its intelligent mm-hmm. assistant. And they've done a deal with Harman Kardon to get a smart speaker out there that will have uh, Cortana running. And, of course, Apple is rumored to be developing the Alexa killer with a a voice appliance that uses the next generation of of Siri. Uh, And Samsung, which interestingly owns Harman Kardon. So, you know, at that Mm -hmm. level, they're going to be working with Microsoft. But they also have this thing called Bixby. Uh, I think it's only available in the voice uh, category in, I think, China or Japan right now, but coming Mm -hmm. soon to those of us who have the S8. So there's going to be a lot of competition in this market, which is great Mm -hmm. because everybody's going to be leapfrogging everybody in terms of what the technology can do. Uh, For example, I can ask the Google Assistant on my phone to translate something into another language. Uh, Alexa can't do that yet. It's getting exciting, and because it is just talking to a device, there's not a lot that you need to learn to figure out how to use this. And, and I think this is one of the reasons it's it's getting so popular. I have an Alexa and I'm connecting it to multiple different systems like my calendar, etc. And once we start to get that interoperability with these voice activated devices to actually do things on the back end, I can see a lot of practicality and in, 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 um, usability in your everyday life. Now, Steve Wynn, uh, the hotel magnet in Las mm-hmm. Vegas, has put an Alexa in every room of every one of his hotels. Uh, and they're not fully enabled because, you know, it has to be connected to each individual's account, but it l- will allow you to control the lighting, the temperature, the drapes, the AV system in the room. And, you know, here's one of the places where you can see the utility of this in a hospital. Uh, mm-hmm. Imagine... For example, that you have somebody, a patient in a hospital who, uh, first of all, can control the drapes and the lights and, and the TV with their voice. But if they can't read the menu for some reason, they can say, you know, Alexa, read today's menu and then order an item. So it makes life easier on the patient uh, than, than having one of those you know, bedside controls where you just push the button to call for a a nurse, you can do everything by voice. What are some other applications? Well, well, there are already some that have 
uh, been under development. For example, uh, I mean, there are uh, several healthcare skills that are already out there. Uh, that's what they're called on, on in the Alexa. Uh, I heard somebody call it the ecosystem. Imagine a, a, a patient at home uh, has just gotten home from the hospital following some kind of a, a, a medical episode, and first they have to be compliant with their medications. You can feed into the Alexa what your medication regimen is, and it can remind you at the right time to take your meds. You can ask if you've already taken this one uh, or what time you're due for the next one of a particular medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can also report back uh, to the hospital uh, you know, whether you have been taking your medications uh, on mm. time based on whatever keyword it's programmed to accept a, right. for you to say, hey, I have now taken this medication. Sure. Uh, if you're wearing a connected device, like, for example, a, bl- a blood pressure cuff, uh, you could say, Alexa, take my blood pressure, and it can store that. Uh, I know that Box, uh, the cloud storage company, is working on one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the medical data can be sent from these devices into the cloud where a doctor or a nurse can access it. You also have the ability for, say, nurses to use this, all the stuff they do when they get into a patient room, say, for admission. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've just been admitted and put in the room, and the nurse comes in for the first time, and they they wheel that big computer in, and they're entering information, looking it up. All they have to do now is ask, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you can use this for form completion. You could use it to enter information about the patient. And, you know, one of the things that artificial intelligence is going to do uh, in terms of the disruption of healthcare, a lot of things that nurses do now is predictive, right? It's, It's looking at the the data that's coming off the blood pressure blood pressure cuff and and mm-hmm. uh, you know the other devices that are used and saying okay this is what this patient needs uh, and AI is going to do a better job of that right uh, it's not going right. to end nursing nurses are I think there's going to be some retraining that's going to have to go on so that they can deal with more judgment oriented activities and less sure. predictive activities but simply giving information to Alexa and having Alexa come back with the initial regimen for that patient who has just been admitted. Um, I mean, these types of things, just by talking to the device, uh, are, are, are going to you know, create some pretty big changes in, in healthcare. So two things pop to mind. First of all, what you're describing sounds like epic, like an epic box, right? Or an epic device. <laughs> they could have voice yeah, activated really. epic. That would be interesting for them. Um, maybe we should probably trademark that before they actually do that, right? <laughs> so, but the other thing is, is I was thinking um, the application too to medical devices and wearable devices that that uh, that we have. And, and in our episode when we talked about that, you know, we interviewed Dana Lewis, and Dana is doing some amazing stuff with uh, artificial pancreas. Could you imagine having a voice activated uh, insulin pump or something like that? And, and you could. Yeah. yeah. That's there that that's sounds very future forward. What are some of the challenges though? I think that, you know, not only is this new, but there's a, there's a lot of challenges behind the scenes to getting this stuff done, right? Right. Well, I think consistency is one thing because you've got all these competing devices coming out from the perspective of the language that we use in healthcare, I think they're all going to need to be able to work roughly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, either that or healthcare is going to settle on one manufacturer, and then when somebody else comes out with something better, you're going to be stuck. So the, you know, maintaining consistency across all of these different appliances, uh, I, I think, is going to be important. Yeah. I, I, data privacy uh, is is the big yeah. issue that everybody is talking about right now. Uh, I know that the 
the product I think is Lenovo is working on. It's an intelligent assistant with with Alexa, and you can do things like uh, tell your healthcare coordinator to send a driver to pick you up or take my blood pressure or whatever it may be, and all of this goes into the cloud. Uh, right. They're saying it's HIPAA compliant, right, which is great, but this is the blowback that Amazon is getting that I don't think that they were actually expecting. I mean, it's not that they didn't think that there were privacy implications, mm-hmm. but the the blowback from privacy organizations and, and worried consumers, I mean, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many people I have heard say that they there's no way they're getting the Alexa look, the one that um, looks at your outfit and, and tells you what's not coordinated. And uh, <laughs> see, yeah, this is what I want is, is Amazon with a camera in my bedroom. Thanks. No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Uh, and of course, the Echo is always listening. That's how it knows you have said Alexa, uh, mm-hmm. right? So this microphone array is always listening. That's already been used in a murder case uh, with mm-hmm. the records from Amazon subpoenaed and 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 delivered uh, that proved a guy had killed his wife. You know, so I think there are a lot of people who are concerned about the privacy aspects of this. I suspect that the AI companies that are working on this, the Apples, the Amazons, the Googles, uh, are going to figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that the healthcare benefits that, that we're going to get from something like this are just going to be huge. They're going to be huge. But but remember, too, let's look back at history, right? Google tried to get into the health record space. And um, and these companies, I think that there there might be a trust factor with having like an Amazon health device or a Google health device because you know we all know Echo works pretty well because you know it's tied to the back end. It's designed to sell more product on Amazon. Google is investing in this because ultimately it serves their greater purpose, right? Do you think that that might be a, a, a little bit of a consideration too? It might be. Where I think this is different is that these applications that we're talking about are all developed by third parties. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I say, on Amazon, they're called skills. There's a website you can go to to learn how to create skills and, mm-hmm. and put you in touch with uh, skill developers who are all third parties. You know, when Good Housekeeping puts up a skill that's how to remove 500 different types of stains, that's just using the Alexa platform. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like saying I'm on on AT&T or Comcast system, but you know, I'm watching something on ABC TV that ABC created. It's just coming to me through Comcast or what have you. So the device is an Amazon device or a Google device or an Apple device or what have you. The content that you're dealing with, the AI that drives it is being developed elsewhere. Where do you see the industry being in, let's say, three to five years? Do you think that this is going to be pervasive now? Yes, I imagine that there will be a lot of hospitals where every room has one of these. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that all uh, patient data will be accessible through voice recognition. It'll recognize mm-hmm. that somebody is authorized to pull this up. Uh, maybe even code words that you have to... I mean, they're already doing this to keep kids from ordering stuff over the mm-hmm. Alexa. You, you probably heard about the kid who ordered yep. from San Diego, ordered all kinds of stuff without <laughs> even knowing... He was doing it. We talk about Epic, right? Just to be able to look at all of the Epic data and come back 
with an analysis of something that a doctor or a nurse needs. Uh, imagine being able to get that kind of information in the s- surgical theater. And I think the uh, augmented reality, the AR, is going to start to mm-hmm. play a role there too. I- I- I'll give you a great example. At Boeing, they're wearing augmented reality glasses uh, in order to do the electrical wiring on 777s. Rather than look at the manual and then look back up and then look and back up and, you know, am I getting the wiring right? You're actually seeing the wiring the way it should be through the goggles and then just matching that with the wires that you're hanging and making sure they're connected to the right things. That's pretty remarkable stuff. And and the potential for healthcare during surgeries, for example, could be pretty amazing. Uh, So I think you're going to see the combination of voice tech and augmented reality uh, start to play a a, a big role. Well, Shell, this is great conversation. I mean, obviously, I always enjoy talking to you. I always get so inspired and jazzed and on the edge of my seat. Um, If people want to know more about you, find you online, what's the best way for them to, to kind of find you? Well, uh, you can come to my website at Holtz.com. On Twitter, I'm Shell Holtz. That's S-H-E-L-H-O-L-T-Z. And uh, you mentioned my podcast for immediate release, which is at FIRpodcastnetwork.com. It's a great one. And everyone should go out there and subscribe to it. It's a great podcast. And you're going to be on it next month. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I appreciate that opportunity. So, well, Shell, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today. And I really appreciate all the great ideas. My pleasure. It was fun, Chris. All right, here we are. We are at the end of today's episode, talking voice first technology. And uh, at the end of every episode, we give a few recommendations. Chris, what do you got? I got a recommendation that has nothing to do with voice first technology at all, but it is something that's kind of a little interesting, kind of a little fun. I'm uh, I don't know if you knew this, Reed, but I I really like to play games, like, you know, board games, card games. I'm a big game player. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. You know, I'm always on the lookout for any kind of new game, kind of new stuff that's out there. I came across something about a year ago, which I thought to be really interesting. It's a game, or it's, it's, well, I'm not sure if I would call it a game, but it's something called Sneaky Cards. Okay. Play It Forward. Okay, and you can actually find it on sneakycards.com. But what it is is it basically gives you uh, you get a a card deck, and the card deck is is sent to you. And the whole intention is is that you take these cards, you register this card deck online, and each card has a mission, like a creative mission or a care mission, whatever. And then basically what it is is you take a card and you go out in the world and you do what's on this card. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, here's an objective around engaging. It says to start a wave in a food court or a cafeteria. <laughs> what you do is you go out in this setting and you start to do the wave. And then once the first person that starts to do it with you, you give this card to. And basically, um, and then the card has a little number on it. And they can go online buy this number. And the whole point here is you track it online. Let me give you some of the other ones here. Nice. Um, uh, a creative one. Create a handmade greeting card. Make a hand greeting card for an obscure holiday and then give it to someone along with this playing card inside. The whole point is like you're getting the card. You're sending it sending it out to multiple people. Here's another one. Hold the door open for 10 consecutive people and then hand this card to the 10th person that walks to that door. It's really cool. That is kind of fun. Yeah, sneakycards.com, and it's kind of fun. It, what I love it, they say, play it forward. Love it. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, my uh, my recommendation is probably the furthest thing from voice first technology that you could possibly pick. <laughs> um, I am choosing uh, something that we use here on the house. It is a real mower, like with the blades, and you push it like there's no gasoline. You know, like huh. you see in movies. So uh, the one we have is a Scotts 2000, it's a 20 inch classic push real mower. And uh, it's great for like more like a turf grass, uh, like Bermuda, things like that. You know, you can get it down. It's the same blade pattern that you see on like, you know, uh, and you can get gasoline powered ones as well, but you know, that they use like on golf courses and stuff like that. It's a little bit of exercise, but man, it is, uh, it's really cool. It's really fun to use and uh, works great. And it fits right into your hipster lifestyle, Reed. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, That's so it's great, and it's good, you know, if you've got kids and stuff like that, you don't have to worry about, like, can they start the mower or not, you know, one of those deals. But it's, uh, yeah, the Scott uh, 2000, I think you can get it at Lowe's, Amazon, stuff like that, so. Cool, well, we'll put a link to it in our show notes so people can uh, can find it and explore more and, and maybe get one to do their lawn right by now. hand. There you go. There you go. Or have their kids do it by hand, I suppose. Yeah, that's even better. Well, Reed, I uh, I really like this podcast. I thought we had a lot of fun recording it. I really appreciate thanks to Shell Holtz for being an, uh, giving a great interview to us, for us. Yes. Um, Shell, is, Shell is always a good, great guy. Love his stuff. I, I just realized that if people were listening to this uh, you know, out in the open and they have one of these home devices, that if they have an Alexa device, that thing was probably going off and on all throughout this podcast but you know awesome well it was a lot of fun good topic and uh we'll do another good one next week but uh before we go again just a quick reminder if you could find your way over to itunes subscribe rate and review us be sure to tell a friend we would certainly appreciate it uh he is chris boyer i'm reed smith uh we enjoyed it and we will see you next week